Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hi, it's Allison. Welcome back to the podcast. We have a question and answer period today, and thank you for your patience, those people that have written in because I've done a few interviews and I haven't gotten to your questions. So here they are today. I'm going to try to read this one, although English is their second language, um, so I'm going to try my best to um, make this understandable. So I might just paraphrase a little bit here. Uh, it says, hi, Allison. Right now I'm away in Chile. Uh, my kids are in a house in Turkey with their grandparents and their lovely nanny. Today we had an incident. My father opened a package of chips and ate from the chips. The chips were in the kitchen, but my father could not have known whose chips they were. When my son found this out, he went ballistic on my dad and really broke his grandpa's heart. Later on, my son called me really mad and sad, saying that I warned this stupid grandpa and he didn't listen. I told him to ask from me and I would have given him, which he never knew that he will, of course, he might as well just be saying it. I'm not sure what that means. Um, the other day he got my Cheetos from my cupboard and that's when I told him to get permission. Can't he just listen to me? And so on. I validated his feelings saying that I know how sad and frustrated he must feel to see his chips being eaten all of a sudden. I said, could you maybe talk to your grandpa to be more careful next time and ask you? And maybe even if you ask to buy a new one for you, do you think that would comfort you and so on? But he kept on being furious and I told him that he needed time to process and that it is you who should decide how to continue with your grandfather. 
Later, as I found out, my mom made my dad apologize to my son because he's a kid. Now I'm frustrated at my mom for interfering in this, and my dad is frustrated having to apologize when he did no mistake, according to him, because how could he have known the chips were my son's? And even if he knew, I think he would have eaten it anyways, because respecting a kid in such a decision is too hard for my parents, as they think it's highly disrespectful for my son to not share his food in the first place. Now what conversation should I have with my kid? to get a few lessons out of this incident. Um, So thank you for your question. And um, I love how you are trying to keep it simple, keep it between the son and the grandfather, keep you out of it, keep your mom out of it, try to kind of coach him through this. But as I listen to this, if we, if we go to, to trying to, um, again, see not children who are misbehaving, but problems that need solutions, it seems that um, there doesn't seem to be a clear understanding about who buys snacks, who has the right to snacks, where snacks are stored, are they shared in communal or are they owned by individuals? And I think you just have to sit down after the fact and say, listen, we had the Cheeto incident, we had the chip incident, we need to straighten out about what's going on with chips. And it may be that one of the solutions, and you have a family meeting around this, they could just sit down and just have a little chat about snacks. And it might be that, you know, snacks in this cupboard are communal snacks and they're on a first come, first serve basis, whatever. But it sounds like you really want to have some control over your snacks. So, you know, would you like to have your little snack budget and you can buy your chips and eat your own chips and keep them in your own cupboard, buy them with your own money and and uh, and not do the communal thing? Um But, uh, you know, as we're trying to groom our kids to have a higher social interest, they do need to understand that food in the house is generally speaking, unless you've made other arrangements, they are for everybody. It's disappointing that he didn't get in on the chips or that he didn't get in on the Cheetos, but uh, that's just a disappointment, not a right, not an entitlement. So I wondered where I wonder where this entitled attitudes coming from. Um, but I would definitely want to work on it, get him thinking more about less about himself and his possessions and what's in it for me and a little bit more about others and being helpful and um, being more communal and sharing. And kids have a hard time sharing and being communal when they don't understand if they don't have any power, no power to buy chips, no power to have an allowance, no power to. So if something you really love finally comes into the house, you know, you're like, very protective of it uh, because you don't maybe don't know maybe that's like a really special treat that's only once a year so I think when you up his power up his purchasing power up his say in how many chips and when I get chips and how to protect my chip eating habit or dividing the bowl or I don't know what but get him settled about around knowing that his needs are going to get met and that he doesn't have to get his needs met by freaking out that things are gone so I hope that's helpful. And of course, social interest, we increase in any way, helping, caring, sharing, doing for others, caring for others, realizing how good it feels to see grandpa smiling when you do something nice, whether that's sharing chips with him or offering to help with dishes or cook a meal or, you know, help with some of the activities around the, the household. Uh, those things feel good. They make us feel proud and they make us feel important. They make us feel wanted and that we're part of a team. So I I would want to be increasing his social interest activities as well there. So thanks for the question. I know you've got more and I will put them in the next podcast. But right now I want to move along to the next one. 
And so it says, my daughter is newly four, so just four, and she seems to be having a clothing sensitivity, or at least that's how I'm interpreting it. Clothes are suddenly too tight, too loose, too this, too that. Some mornings, it's almost impossible to get her ready for preschool. And if something felt uncomfortable before, it's relegated to the never again pile. I've tried having her put stuff on and showing me what she means. I've tried stretching. I've tried uh, resorting to not putting stuff in the dryer, but nothing seems to stick. Underwear that was fine before bed is suddenly not good in the morning. I don't know if this is attention-seeking or a genuine issue that I'm missing the mark on um, supporting her better. Well, you know, we just had an occupational therapist on a few episodes ago, so you might want to go back and listen to that episode and uh, talk to her. Um, there are kids that do have clothing sensitivities, the high, highly sensitive kids, but just because they have a high sensitivity to, to feeling pressures and, and, you know, not wanting scratchy things or soft things or things that fall like not in the middle of their calf, but by their ankle, they've got all these like little rigid rules. You know, the thing is you need to let them know, hey, you know, you're a highly sensitive person and you know how you like things to fall on your body and you know how you like things to, to feel and to fit. And nobody can know that except for you. So the idea is I don't want to turn it into a interpersonal dynamic between you and uh, her such that she might have originally had a sensitivity and then she learned that it keeps you busy. It monopolizes your time. It keeps you away from maybe a brother or returning emails or getting breakfast ready. And so you have to stop what you're doing and deal with her, deal with her sensitivities and fuss and wait and, you know, try this, try that. And she can often feel not only that she's getting your time and attention, but that she's feeling mighty powerful because how are you ever going to know what's going to feel good on her? If you put it just one way, she'll say, no, lower, higher, higher, look, you could never get it right. So she's always in the higher power position there. So I would try to just return responsibility to the child and say, well, these are your clothes and uh, this is what's available and I trust you to look after yourself and I'll see you down at the breakfast table. And even though she's only four, if she can dress herself, I would just not engage in involving myself in her dressing, buy things that she can get on herself just let her know. I'm, I I know that it's hard to dress your, your body, but nobody can do it better than you. Nobody can do it better than you. Only you know how you like things to feel. And uh, and then just get busy with with the uh, the breakfast and hope that she comes down. Uh, so keeping it on the low down is definitely the way. And, and give up this feeling that, you know, if she has a favorite pair of sweatpants or whatever, whatever, let her wear the sweatpants over and over and over again. Why do we have to have a different outfit every day? Like get rid of your fashion sense, get rid of your own sense of judgment of what are the teachers going to think if she wears the same thing over and over again? Who cares? She's four. It doesn't matter. Who cares? It's what's, it's, why are we getting fussed about fashion at, at that age? So just let her dress herself in a way that isn't bothersome, burdensome to others. Uh, I have another question here. I've noticed for the past few months that my daughter, 18, uses my bathroom when I'm not around or quietly uses it if I'm in the home, meaning I hear her tiptoe her way to my bathroom. There she uses my granola deodorant, hair dryer, and hairbrush. She insists that I buy her tampons, pads, and deodorant because they are essentials. When I remind her that shoppers is a 10-minute walk away, she reminds me that I'm supposed to cover her essential items. When I don't buy them, she just takes from my bathroom. She also says that my hair dryer and hairbrush are better. She leaves her hair in my sink, counter, and floor. I know it's hers because it's her hair color. I own the problem, but how can I enforce boundaries if I'm not home? 
By the way, among other things, I bought four different hairbrushes for her for Christmas. That way she can choose one that she can keep in her bathroom. But that doesn't address her using my hair dryer and taking my pads, using my stuff and leaving a mess. As for the problem that she owns of not doing her laundry for over a year, I have been constantly asking her if I can help her tackle it one load at a time. She always says no. Recently, she replied that she was going to ask her brother for help, and I thought that was awesome, but he rejected her that day, saying that he didn't have time for her. I keep reminding her that she can use the dryer. She knows that I hang everything to dry. Her clothes remain unwashed, and she continues to go vintage clothes shopping to add to her wardrobe. So uh, let's go back to the bathroom situation first. Um, I would say she, uh, you know, I would say yes, she has a point that um, until our kids are out of our house, we do have to pay for the tampons, pads, deodorant, those essentials. Um, the question becomes either you buy it for her or you say, hey, listen, um, I'm not always around. I work, whatever. I don't know the kinds you like. I don't know the brands you want. I, I, I don't keep your inventory. So let me just um, include in your allowance um, I will pass on the whatever 20, 30 bucks that I'm spending every month on your personal hygiene items. I will just give you the 30 bucks. You can pick it up at Shoppers Drug Mart 10, 10 minutes away. So I do think that you need to be paying for it. Um, it. She seems to think that you've got the better things and that you're not buying as nice of things for her. So she might feel like a second class citizen. It's lovely that you bought four hairbrushes, um, but maybe she wants to pick or maybe you want to be really sweet and sort of say, hey, listen, I'm really glad you love my hairbrush. Why don't you have mine? I just bought four other ones. I'll take one of those, you know, tomato, tomato to me. If she loves yours, maybe that would be like a, a sweet a sweet thing to do to, to say, um, you know, out of kindness, you seem to really be affiliated to this hairbrush and I'm less particular about my hairbrush. So, you know, cause I think she is looking for ways to feel that you care for her. And, um, she's got a bit of a mindset that, um, she's getting sloppy seconds and she's second consideration and a little bit of a Cinderella situation here. So anything that you can do to say, Hey, no, you know what? Let, uh, go ahead, you know, go, go ahead, take my, my, my deodorant. I'm, I'm glad you like it. Um, you know, if you like my hair dryer so much, why don't you have that one? G give me yours. I, I, I'm not as picky as you are. You know, I, I might, it might seem like unfair and why should you, except for I know a little background more than this little note says here. And so um, I think that um, showing some goodwill will warm up the relationship and, and get you out of power struggle. So she's not tiptoeing around and, you know, and doing things like, like she's on strike about her clothes. I will not wash my clothes. I would rather buy new clothes than wash my clothes. And she's put a, a stake in the ground. And uh, at least, you know, she asked her brother. I don't know why he said no. He, she must have uh, irked him in some way. Um, but I think that her her saying no to you is, is part of that protest dance. She is rejecting. Um, she does not want support. She does not want to move ahead. She wants to stay stuck. She wants to stay positional. And so it's lovely that you asked. And, um, and I would, you know, continue to just sort of say like, well, the, the offer still stands if you want to get ahead of that. Um, but I wouldn't have you buying her, um, further clothes. Um, that's where we talk about parental responsibilities, needs versus wants, needs versus wants. You are responsible for clothing her, but you're not responsible for buying extra clothes because she refuses to wash the one she owns. Um, uh, I would say you've done your duty and just let the chips fall where they may. So she can either buy new clothes with her allowance or she can wash the ones she has. And I wouldn't care which one she does. It's really out of your business. I, whatever, tomato, tomato. When you stop caring, it will free her up to see that, oh, you know what? I really like those jeans. Oh, I really want to wear that top. 
you know, and right now she's feeling if I wash those clothes, if I wear, wash that top, my mom's going to have won this fight. So um, we drop the fight by losing your interest in what she does with her clothing. Just don't care anymore. That's basically it. You know, whatever, wacka wacka. She's wackadoodle. She doesn't wash her clothes. That's whatever. Who cares? Tomato, tomato. Doesn't matter. Not your business. Not your business. Not your monkey. Not your circus. You don't. <laughs> you got enough going on in your life. You don't need to worry about that one. Okay, uh, I've got another one here. Dear Allison, I enjoy your podcast very much and try to hop on at the lives from time to time from work when time permits. Here's a question for you. I'm thankful for any help you can give. I'm in dire straits. My 13-year-old son hates school. He's in grade eight. He finds it boring and does not see the need to learn subjects beyond math and English. He gets little enjoyment from school. He's been in the same school since JK. He has been able to get through from September to December this year. He averages about one absence per month, usually due to stress or refusal for a minor ailment. He will not discuss school with me in any way. He will not discuss or share anything about homework or assignments. He does what appears to be the bare minimum in schoolwork, and recently I'm finding he is doing less than that. He appears to be ignoring assignments that I don't have the full picture because he will not discuss any of them with me. He is gifted, and so he managed to keep his progress report at a decent level first term. I'm expecting a decline in this upcoming report card. He has two very dedicated teachers this year, which he seems to like somewhat. When I try to broach the subject of homework or school, he gets agitated, annoyed, and at times angry and tells me to go away. Earlier in the school year, I would try to gently remind him if he knew he had work to do. If I tried to push too hard, he would shut down and do no work at all. So I tried to give him the independence to be responsible for his own work and backed off, mostly because I did not want to risk him not doing it at all. But as I said, now I'm suspecting he is not doing anything. I micromanaged him during online school when the lockdown first happened because he was the kind of kid who needed to keep on top of homework. I believe my micromanaging has contributed to his current refusal to discuss school with me and another reason I backed off. I had hoped I would show him I trusted he would do the work with the situation and that the situation would improve. I have offered for him to talk to someone else, but he refuses. We've been to family counseling in the past and he refuses to go again. I worry for him and I'm at a loss. Any advice or insights that you have would be appreciated. Thank you so much. Additional information, we are a family of four. I also have a 14 and a half year old daughter and a husband. My daughter is the polar opposite in school. I do not compare them to each other. Well, you don't need to compare them to each other. He already knows that with the micromanaging that happened at the beginning and, you know, 13 years of being with you, he knows, and being a kid in North American culture, he knows how important school is. And I think it must be very hard when you're gifted and you could get away with just, you know, the bare minimum, you know, but you can see it would be unengaging if you were a gifted child. He knows enough, you know, not to fail because he kind of keeps his marks kind of where they are. But he's, he's disengaged as so many kids with online learning are. Um, I know you've stepped back, but this you need to step back even more. You really need to not just not check his homework or whatever. You really need to just have faith that he will figure himself out. His teachers will talk to him when he doesn't hand things in. His teachers will remind him when he's at risk of failing a class. And he may have to repeat some. You know, you could talk about, or the school guidance counselor, the principal, or whoever is the appropriate personnel person in his school to see about whether or not there isn't a better program for gifted kids that are a little bit more stimulating, or if he wants to do some other, you know, side project that would be of interest to him. Um, But he is so 
uh, repellent to you as you're describing him. I refuse to talk to you about it. I refuse to go to family counseling. I refuse to tell you about my homework. Uh, you know, I I think there's got to be another relationship issue percolating in the background, and it's manifesting itself in his refusal to engage with schoolwork. I think the problem's bigger than as you describe it. I think there's a relationship thing there with a very smart sister who's not having problems, societal expectations. There could be a friendship thing. It could be that these teachers he likes somewhat, but kids really need teachers that are like, that really have their backs and really, really like the kids. So it, it might be a lukewarm relationship and that could be part of it. He might just hate online learning. He might be between friend groups. There's so much that gets packed into school and motivation. But given that you're like, you're sort of saying, first I tried to prompt him, then I backed off, but he didn't pick up when, where, when I backed off, he didn't pick up the slack. Um, I would say you need to back off longer, back off longer. There's all kinds of parents back in the day where you're like, I don't even know what courses they're taking. I don't know. I mean, we get so involved as parents now and kids really can do this on their own. And he might be skittling along right at the pass fail mark. But something tells me as a gifted kid, he's not going to want to get behind his friends. He's not going to get want to get way behind. He'll he'll pull it together at the last minute. But you need to continue your commitment to say, you know, I micromanaged him for the first 13 years of his life. I can't think that by stopping for the last two months that everything rectified itself. You know, try not being engaged in his schooling for the next 13 years of his education. That's what we're aiming for and see what else is going on whereby he's so allergic to hearing from you you know uh you know you you might want to see things from you know ask your husband ask your eldest daughter what what they're seeing in the relationship um you know are you are you able to find other ways to build up a relationship with him hobbies common interests hanging out with him and you know just not making it school is not a discussion at all, period. Just enjoy him, relate to him, and be amazed by him, be be fascinated by what fascinates him. Build up a relationship, and the rest will slowly follow in in place. Because if, you know, if he refuses to go to counseling and he refuses to talk to anybody, you're that, that you, you can't do anything except for work on the growing edge, find his strengths, keep building up the warm relationships to try to re-engage him and make a, a relationship approach, not a managerial approach. So I hope that helps. All right, until next week, we'll see you later. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast. So thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.